Hi, this is Lawrence Gowan of Sticks, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Rick Emmett of Triumph, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Phil Ehart, drummer for the band Kansas, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Tom Gimmel from Foreigner, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 267 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 267, we are joined by two great musicians. We have Lawrence Gowan of the band Sticks, and we also have an upstart young blues guitarist named Matthew Curry who's going to be joining us in just a little bit. Uh, Lawrence Gowan, uh, had an opportunity to talk to him. He's been with Sticks now for 16 years, actually, to the day. Uh, that I had an opportunity to speak to him. Uh, they're going to be coming in doing a show at Stage AE on the 8th of May. Uh, it's an evening with sticks, so you're going to get a boatload of sticks, no pun intended. Uh, Lawrence um, also was a solo artist for many years before joining Sticks, so we talk a little bit about how Sticks has incorporated Gowan's um, catalog, which is a really interesting thing for a band to do. Uh, and really just really enjoy talking to him uh, fabulous musician a fabulous piano player a great vocalist so it was really enjoyable to speak to him so without further ado let's talk to Lawrence Gowan of Sticks all my life from the long arm of the law lawman is putting an end to my running and I'm so far from my home oh mama I can hear Crying, you're so scared and all alone Hangman is coming down from the gallows And I don't have very long Welcome to the show from the band Sticks. We have Lawrence Gowan on the line. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm very well, John. How are you today? Doing fantastic. Uh, you guys are coming in Pittsburgh to do a show at Stage A in May. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh has always loved Sticks, um, as I'm sure a lot of other you know Midwest towns in the United States do. Um, if we could start out with how you became involved uh, with Sticks, obviously with Dennis's departure, how you know, what circumstances led to you coming to the role to play piano and keyboard vocals for the band? Sure. Uh, well, it was it was 16 years ago that I that I joined the band. Actually, 16 years ago today, the 24th of, of, of April, oh. uh, was when I got was when we first sang together and I checked out if our voices would would how how we get that signature sticks blend on the uh, on the choruses particularly. But anyway, the um, 
the the uh, timeline of it was that in in 1997 we did two shows together uh, where I I was I opened for Sticks just a, a solo with just myself on piano at the New Montreal Forum uh, that that had opened up that year and and also in Quebec City and those back to back concerts were um, uh, where I guess the band really became familiar with my my own material and the what I was like on stage and subsequent to that uh, they went through. Um, a pretty painful uh, <laughs> backstage drama, I suppose, that was extended and ongoing that I that I was unaware of. And um, mm-hmm. once once that was resolved with the uh, you know the the kind of the tough decision that they had to make, um, they saw me as a, a potential solution to that to to extending the life of the band. And uh, and that's how I that's how I got the call to come and uh, to come and join the band. And and uh, you know I really enjoyed them. When I when I did the shows though I thought they I thought they were tremendous and and you know when I look at uh, when I look at Sticks today I, I see a band that's had ten members in total ever since from the very beginning until now and it really is a culmination of the uh, the efforts of everyone that um, that really makes the band what it is to this day. Now Lawrence, you you were born uh, if I'm not mistaken in Scotland and, and you were raised in Canada or, or did you yes your Lived lived in Scotland for a short time, just as a, okay. as a little kid, and then a little kid, and then and then came to. Uh, I think my dad's initial idea was he'd, he'd go to Canada for a little bit, and then uh, and then make his way into the U.S. But he he really fell in love with Toronto, and right. uh, and that became that became our home, and it's still it's still where I live. So it's um, it's it, it's right. been a great place for me, you know. That's it's my hometown, and and I. Yeah. Uh, and and because we tour so much, it, it it hasn't been it wasn't a mandatory thing that we all live in the same city. In fact, we're spread out all over North America. At this point. Yeah, but we uh, more. But, but 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 we spend more time together than we do apart. So <laughs> it's really sure. no big deal. Yeah, I think with a lot of bands, it's probably easier not to live together when you're not on the road. You see enough of you know you know the guys. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Summer was, yeah. Um, in Toronto, you know, in, in the kind of the formative years as a musician, obviously Toronto is a fantastic city for culture. But were, was yeah. an American band like Sticks, you know, that kind of progressive rock, what you were into as a formative musician? Very much, very much so. I, um, I had a band in the late seventies that was basically, you know, trying to be everything that Sticks was. You know, we had we were trying to. Uh, be a successful progressive rock band that wasn't from the UK, and and really up until then, Styx was the only band that was successful at doing that. That were not from England, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so they were they were highly venerated in in that regard. And 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 Toronto had a gigantic Styx following, so I was very aware of the band, of course. And then in the eighties, I began a, a solo career where I had, uh, uh, you know, I was signed to Columbia Records and I had a number of albums, four platinum and three gold records and a gold single and just that was a long a long career that never crossed the border into the US. Although funny enough, I did open the entire tour for Tears for Tears in nineteen eighty five and played uh, Heinz Hall and oh. um in Pittsburgh and, and it's funny because to this day I there are some people who are who uh, who remember that and um became very much uh, you know a uh, Loyal Gowan fans, uh, because yeah. so when, funny enough, when I joined Sticks, they already they 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 were aware of me. I, I sold some records in Important. I remember um, radio station there. I think it was WNED 
was in it. Um, oh, I got it wrong. Anyway, uh, there was a radio station in Pittsburgh that played my stuff, but then when it wasn't, when, when CBS, back then, the way the, the uh, major labels were, you didn't necessarily get uh, an international release date, despite the fact that you may have been successful in one country. So, sure. Um, Anyway, as it, as it played out, I, I did not get to get a release in the United States, and so it was a it was a kind of a it, it was kind of a pain that I'd have record after record do really well in Canada, and yet I'd only sell a few copies on import into the U.S. and uh, and never was able to get across the border really until finally I joined this legendary band called Sticks. Now, just out of curiosity, when with the advent of, of iTunes and things like that, and obviously you, you've achieved much more recognition in the States. Does that help yeah. the Gowan catalog? Very much so. Funny enough, yes. That's exactly what uh, what kind of changed things is that, um, you know, I had a, a greatest hits record come out in 1998, mm-hmm. and, and the following year I joined Sticks. Well, when that came onto iTunes, a lot of Sticks fans bought those records. And in, in 2010, so five years ago, I started doing some, a smattering of, of, of solo shows in Canada mm-hmm. again. And it was, it was a beautiful surprise to see about half the audience were, uh, were people that, that made it up from the U S that were, that were diehard Sticks fans who, uh, mm-hmm. who just wanted to, to, you know, go a bit further and find out what the solo background of the guy they've been seeing in the band for a dozen years. At that point. Now, um, Am I correct? Sticks has played Criminal Mind as part of the set list for first. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. And how, how unique is that? That's one thing you don't see. You know, in in the era of you know singers being replaced in bands and, and you know bands with such a large catalog as Sticks to be able to introduce yeah. your material really says something about their respect for your work. Well, it, uh, quite. A, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up, John, because the, one of the things that really made me feel uh, immediately uh, kind of glued to the band was the fact that when we first got together on this date <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in 1999, um, before I even, I, I learned about three stick songs to, for us to sing together, but before I even played a note, uh, Tommy said, no, no, don't play a stick, so play, play A Criminal Mind, because that, that's mm-hmm. the last song you played at your show, and that's why I played it, and at the, by the end of the song, he looked at J.Y. and he said, we should make that a stick song. That was before right. we even did a, a, a Sticks tune, and so that that made me feel like, oh, well, this is absolutely great. <laughs> so yeah. you know, we, we wound up doing that, and actually, the, the, I think my favorite version of us we've recorded it uh, several times on a couple of DVDs, but my favorite mm-hmm. recording of it is from Pittsburgh, and I think it was in 2004. I could be wrong, it could be okay. 2003, but you can you can look that up online, Sticks Criminal Mind, and I think we put it on uh, this DVD. Um, oh shoot! I think it was it was uh, 21st Century Live or something like that. It had it had a CD plus a um, uh, plus a DVD CD. in that package. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I think that version of A Criminal Mind is on there with Six doing it at the uh, in Pittsburgh. And I think that that's my favorite version that we've ever done together. I lo- I mean I I like the one that we did with the orchestra in Cleveland, but this but that one from Pittsburgh it's got all the rock elements of it. It's very raw and JY's guitar solo in the middle is tremendous and Tommy added mandolin to the song and, and it's got a real um it it's got just the right kind of angst to it that I think uh mm-hmm. came off really well. How how fun was that the the Cleveland D V D was actually something I just had an opportunity to watch again 
yeah. know, in getting ready to speak to you. How fun was that night? It looked very magical. It really was. I mean, uh, you know, with that, being with a youth orchestra, it required a little bit more rehearsal than we normally do with orchestras. We did uh, three three nights a couple months ago with the Nashville Symphony, and that that's just one run-through because those are all, like, seasoned pros. But right. the youth orchestra in Cleveland were so talented, but, of course, that youthful enthusiasm uh, at first needed to be kind of harnessed in a way because we, we did a couple of rehearsals and it was a bit ragged. But then finally, right. as, as we continued to rehearse with them, every, about every three weeks we were flying into Cleveland, I think we did about three times mm-hmm. um, to run through another time. Eventually, they became like part of the band. So the beautiful thing on that DVD, um, Six in the Contemporary Youth Orchestra, is that they really were a part of the band that night. That's that's right. very rare that you get a full orchestra and, you know, and a 75 piece at that, at that, that that really threw in. And as you can see, they're 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 um, they're as as animated and as and as actively you know, physically into the show as yeah. the band are. And that really comes across in that DVD. So there's a real, there's real magic that, that happened there on that night. Yeah, it was interesting to watch in the, the show because you, you you look at the orchestra and you know, many of the members of the orchestra probably weren't alive to yeah. see these hits, you know. In, in That's the right. Day. That's right. But the parents, yep. you know, you, you had a nice pavilion full of, you know, so we watched crowd moms and pops. They were all kind of jamming out. That was kind of fun. Um, you know, because you see a lot of these, you know, shows where these massive bands will come in and do, you know, professional orchestras. They're very serious yeah. and staunch. And, yeah. And, you, and you've got these kids, and it's just a very fun show to watch. And you guys pulled out such an eclectic mix of songs that night. Yeah. Um, it's really, yeah. Really and, fun. And, and since then, they've, they've done others with other with other bands that have been tremendous, you know, um, they did a great one with uh, with uh, John Anderson. They had a fantastic night with him. And uh, uh, yeah, anyway, nice. it's yeah, just tremendous orchestra, tremendous organization, and I just uh, we, we, I'm so glad that I was captured on DVD. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you guys um, when you stepped into the role, obviously replacing Dennis um, is the vocalist. I mean, obviously you've got quite the pipes to do that, but. Um, is that pretty indicative of the style of singing and playing you did prior, or did you have to kind of go and spend some time in the woodshed, uh, you know, getting his style under your belt? Well, you know, it's funny, John. I, I, I've always been very uncomfortable with the word um, replaced. It's it's one that we, yeah. that we, we, we use quite easily. You know, it's funny. I, I, about a year and a half ago, it dawned on me when I was at the Rolling, at a Rolling Stones show, and I was looking at Ronnie Wood, Thinking, my gosh, he's actually the third guitarist in the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and that's a pretty yeah. pivotal role in that in that band, you know, because it's, and he he fits the spirit of the band so well, but he's so unlike Brian Jones. You know what I mean? Like, and you think oh, that, very, that's very really what it's, and you know, but but yet the spirit of the band continued. And I've always looked at it like, as I mentioned earlier, it's I I don't feel that anyone's. I don't feel that I replaced anyone any more than, say, Todd Zuckerman replaced John Panazzo or that Ricky Phillips replaced... Well, he obviously got to sure. replace Chuck because Chuck's on stage with for, for a good number of the shows that we do every year. But I really see it as, as there's something in the spirit of a band that can either be extended by even though the band has to undergo a personnel change or else it kind of diminishes. So 
another great another great example was you know I remember being such a Genesis fan, and when I heard that Phil Collins, the drummer, who, who's mm. you know he was the name I, I barely knew in that band up until that point, that suddenly the, the drummer was going to be singing lead, I thought, well that's the end of that band. They can't possibly go yeah. on without Gabriel. And then I saw not, not only did they go on, but they flourished and they did so fantastic. You know, and and then we had all those great Peter Gabriel records because of it that we might not have had otherwise. So I see there are there are potentially good things that can happen, even though a band has to undergo a painful transition like that. Mm-hmm. And for myself joining, it was never part of the mandate. It's never to this day, not once, have you ever been mentioned to try to mimic or sound alike or or right. in any way replicate or try to replicate anything from the past. Um, uh, that, uh, that Dennis Young did because he did it in his unique fashion and, and so successfully. And then from the point that I joined the band, I, I sing the songs as sincerely and as and as, uh, as connected, uh, you know, mm-hmm. physically and vocally to them as, as I can. And that's then it's really up to the uh, up to the audience to decide whether they can accept that or not. And for some people, they can never accept a change in a band they love. It's, it's a difficult. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hurdle to get over, and I understand that. But for others, in God, half the audience now that we play to on any given night are, are under thirty years of age, sure. and they 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 embrace the band because I think something is, has remained intact that it was there right from the right from the uh, the onset of the group in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. And think of it, Six is a band that had to navigate that a few times. You know, they they were a very successful band. By the time Tommy Shaw joined the band, you know, and it's yeah. funny, Tommy will, Tommy played in something yesterday where, you know, that he's, that he's working on that is so reminiscent of, of, uh, his predecessor, John, John Salusky, who came up with some great bits in the, in the music right. that, um, that were there prior to even Tommy joining and that he was a fan of. So, and then Tommy in no way plays like or in any way like John Serluski, but, but we forget that because the band's been around so long that there have been tremendous contributions made by all. And mm-hmm. um, that's really my attitude since I started with the group, and that's, that's kind of stood me well, I think, that, uh, and, and the whole band well, that, that that's been our approach. Yeah, I think it helps in, in a lot of respects because, you know, you guys, as it, a collective unit, sticks benefited from the fact that, that many members of the band wrote it wasn't as if you know you yeah. lost your, your sole songwriter yeah. in case, you know when you go up and down a Styx Greatest Hits album yeah. you know there are as many J.Y. songs as there were Dennis Young songs uh, uh, yeah. and probably more Tommy Shaw than than any so I mean in in respect I mean yes you have to you know to swap out a voice and a part um but I, I think a lot of people get hung up on that. But, it, you know, if you consider, you know, even with bands like Kiss or, or Van Halen in, in the uh-huh. you know, mid-'80s, I think people would rather see the music carry on with a different instrumentalist than cease to exist. And that's, Yeah, I, you know, I think that's right. I think that's right. It's um, You know, if, if you think about it that way, I mean, I, I'm... You know, we, we've been blessed to have 16 additional years of sticks music live. You know, because of your strength that's, as a vocalist. No, that's that, that's a great way to look at it. It really is. It's, it's um, 
Yeah, as I as I say, it's 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 the spirit of the band that, that really matters, and and I think that like when we did Cyclorama, the first studio record we did together, we tried to mm. um, the only studio album of new material. We tried to keep as much of that intact as possible, you know. And and in subsequent songs we released after that, you know, single songs that we've done, it it really is, you know, that's part of the that's just that's part of the story as well. It's from a different era. You know we're in a different place now entirely. The the, the big record companies do not um, do not have the impact on the world that they once had, and we touched on that earlier. Uh, instead, we have this fantastic uh, body of, of of people around the world that want to see a band live and want that classic rock experience to really uh, to 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 resonate with them. You know, and, and I think that's really where where I, I I would point at our greatest success that we've continually been able to play around the world over 100 shows a year and and we see thousands of a sea of smiling faces at the end of every single night so so yeah. so in this era of the band I think we've really we've really done the band proud you know we've done we've yeah. done very very well with it it's interesting you know when you look at it you know sticks being a band that consider very album oriented rock um yeah. and, and we're in an era where albums are a difficult commodity. Uh, you see more, yeah. more bands on EPs or singles, but some of the biggest live bands on the planet are still from the album or in rock. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy there. Uh, one question that, that always fascinated me about your playing style, and I was curious how you do this, is how you manage to play the piano while standing at it backward. Is there? Is, <laughs> do you have like some tricks to, to keep your fingers on the right keys? Yeah, you know, I, I could see a guitarist, you know, behind their head. You know, they kind of have a feel on the neck where it should be. But a piano has got to be a hard instrument with 88 keys to choose from to know where you're at. Yeah, I'd never, I'd never done it. I'd never done that prior to joining the sticks. No, JY one night because JY does the the Hendrix behind the over, yeah. over the shoulder behind the head guitar, which is great. And and uh, uh, so. Just one night, it kind of evolved. I flipped the keyboard around and started doing some of that, and then probably pretty badly, I think, at first. But then I thought, yeah, you know, there's a few songs here that I could, I could go, I could go backwards on or over the top. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a um, it, it's a good mental exercise. <laughs> what I would put it down as, and you're going to have to kind of hack your way through a lot of wrong notes until you finally. Uh, Figure out how to flip your brain around and kind of you you need to suddenly uh, uh, embrace some of the dyslexic talents that some people have uh, are born with. <laughs> yeah, I mean you think about I mean, not to discredit what Jay wants, but when you flip a guitar behind your head, your hand is still moving relative to the same direction. Um, you know, you have okay. the butt end of the, of the body of you know where the neck joint comes together. You kind of feel where you're okay. at. Okay, piano yeah. piano backward is going to be challenging. Um, it, yeah. It, it's pretty wacky. <laughs> Do you um, have any sense? And I, I know, it, it, obviously, you guys are aware of Pittsburgh's love of, of the use of renegade in, in football games. Yeah, is that of unique course. to Pittsburgh, or does that is that happen in other cities? I've never heard another team use that song um, uh, to that to that degree at all. I think I, I mean I remember I heard it at a few Pittsburgh Penguin games actually uh, just sure. from the PA. So I thought, I thought wow. Are they gonna are they gonna are they gonna step into it as well? But um yeah. they uh no I've never I've never seen a team, you know, uh so so kind of galvanized to, to, to one song that a band has, but that's uh 
what a, what a great moment that was when we did it. We, we did a kind of an acapella version of it on Heinz Field, and, and it was uh, uh, kind of a pivotal, uh, just, a, just a pinnacle moment, actually, you know, to, uh, to, to I remember that day, and it's just the run up to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. That that year, but yeah, what a, what a unique thing to have happen with a band. And I think the only instance of of um, the NFL ever sanctioning uh, a piece of merchandise, we have you know those Oh Mama T-shirts that are out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. And you see them, and they're in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and that was that was sanctioned by the NFL. And I don't think that's ever happened. With I, I think our management told us that's that's the one and only time that that's ever taken place. So pretty. Uh, Pretty yeah, fun little, I mean, uh, another great little aspect of, of Sticks lore. Yeah, I, I directly attribute our loss in the playoffs last year to the fact that we've made it through the third quarter without having that come over the PA system. I, I don't know that I've been to a game in quite a long time where at some point during the third quarter you don't hear you yeah. know, the intro to that song. And I'm like, well, yeah. listen, we need to get the we need to get ready to get on the PA system or we're going to lose this yeah. game. Sure enough, we lost the game. <laughs> So, uh, you see, anybody in the front office is listening. Um, yes, you know we, we don't need new defensive coordinators. We don't need uh, new offensive schemes. No. We just need to get this on the field. Well, Gowan, it's yeah. been a pleasure. You're coming into Stage AE, which is right outside of Heinz Field. You'll be looking up at it as you're on stage. You'll be hearing the yeah. yeah. show. Um, yeah. Very much forward to seeing you. I want to thank you for your time, man. Uh, always great, and thank you, uh, John. Yeah, we're looking forward to to another great Pittsburgh rendezvous between Sticks and the and and our great faithful in, in Pittsburgh on the eighth of May. We'll see you there. The twenty dollar ticket is back. Kid Rock in concert with special guest Foreigner. June 28th, First Niagara Pavilion. All pavilion seats and lawn tickets just 20 bucks. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations and online at LiveNation.com. Kid Rock, new album available now. A big thanks to Lawrence Gowan uh, for taking the time out on the tour. Uh, Styx is doing a ton of dates with Def Leppard uh, and Tesla this summer. For whatever reason, the show that's in Youngstown, Pennsylvania is not featuring Styx. So Styx uh, opted to do kind of a one-off uh evening with show here in Pittsburgh's, which is uh, great for hardcore Sticks fans. Def Leppard and Tesla will be doing the show in Youngstown uh, Sands te- uh, Sticks, so just in case there's any confusion on that. So I want to turn our attention now to a hot young guitarist. Uh gentleman is only 20 years old. Uh, he's got an incredibly soulful voice and a great guitar player. It reminded me a lot of Johnny Lang when I had a chance to listen to his material, so I was very excited to get a chance to talk to him. It's always great to see somebody under the age of 50 uh, playing really good blues guitar. So Matthew Curry is going to be coming in on May 11th to do a show at the Hard Rock Cafe in Pittsburgh. He's also doing a tour this summer with Steve Miller. He's doing uh, dates with the Doobie Brothers. So um, this kid's getting a lot of really great exposure, uh, and it was really great to get a chance to talk to him and get a, a fresh take on a, a you know, a, a blues music which is um, you know uh, amazing art form Uh, wish there was more popular music that had blues in it but unfortunately uh, it's not something that kind of rules the airwaves like it once did so it's really great chance to talk to Matthew on this so let's get into this interview with Matthew Curry welcome to the show guitarist Matthew Curry how you doing Matthew good John thanks for having me man 
My pleasure. You're going to be rolling into Pittsburgh doing a show at the Hard Rock Cafe on the 11th of May. Uh, and as I mentioned to you uh, off the air, I got a chance to listen to your music. I'm um, a big fan of, of guys like Steve Vaughn and Johnny Lang and uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard and the such. So I was really, really excited to, to listen to this uh, kind of music from such a young dude. Uh, and, and that's where I guess where I want to start. How, you know, as a relatively young man, how did you get into this kind of music? Um, well, really just uh, through my father, you know, mostly I, I was about four years old and uh, he would sit around in the house <clears throat> with his acoustic and, uh, you know, play some, some of the old, you know, bluesy, ZZ top stuff and Scared mm-hmm. and obviously Stevie Ray and BB and, and uh, what have you. And it just really caught my attention right off the bat. And, um, you know, I think him and my mother took notice of that and, uh, so I went on and got me a little cheapo Walmart guitar and, uh, you know, we just try to mimic the, uh, every little movement his fingers made and stuff like that. Now, were there, um, you know, you're, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're under the age of 20 at this point, correct? I'll be 20 in May. Yeah. Okay. So your friends are listening to, I don't even know what, but I'm guessing they're not listening <laughs> to Albert King, you know, growing up. Um, was that an issue for you, or do you feel kind of an outsider, or did you do you enjoy popular music as well? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, <laughs> I I definitely don't enjoy what's on pop radio right now. It's uh, it just it's not real, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, grab me like uh, rock and roll or blues does, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, I do enjoy some contemporary music, you know, some of some John Mayer stuff and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's about as uh, deep into the pop scene as, <laughs> as I go. <laughs> yeah, John Mayer is an excellent, excellent. That you brought it up because I know as as a fan of of this type of music, you know, obviously John Mayer was not on my radar because I, I kind of considered him more of an adult contemporary uh, pop music, and then the John Mayer trio record came out that I was like, holy smokes, where did this guy come from? And there's quite an accomplished guitarist there, but he blends his style to, you know, at the time what you heard on the radio. Is that something you have to resist the temptation to kind of, you know, go in a completely different direction than where your heart draws just to get a bigger audience? Uh, I don't I don't see it that way. I think <clears throat> as far as uh, for me, I'm just going to, I'm going to play what I, what I feel and what, you know, speaks mm-hmm. to me and, uh, you know, and hopefully it'll speak to other people as well. You know? mm-hmm. Was, was it a tough sell? Um, uh, what, what are the reception, you know, from a new artist, you know, going before record companies and management companies, is this still something that, that they look at? Um, was it a tough sell, you know, or, or were they kind of embracing of, you know, an, an organic guitar music? Um, I think I seem to think people still embrace it and really still know that there's a, a chance for it. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, you know, uh, Red Light, our management, and Paradigm uh, obviously must have felt that way. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, working on getting uh, getting some labels interested right now. So um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, but uh, it you know it could be a, a bit of a tough sell. But I also think at some point, you know, today's music is so, is so just, uh, I don't want to say not good, but, yeah. you know, at some point I feel like people have to kind of come around and, 
yeah. understand that, uh, you know, we need to go back to real music again. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, not to put all the pressure in the world on you, but I think in a lot of respects, I think a lot of musicians um, would embrace someone as young as yourself because, you know, you, you're obviously going to have a, a bit of an edge appealing to a younger audience um, as opposed to a 50-year-old guy, um, you know, when you were out on the road with Steve Miller, which I'll get to in a moment, I'm sure, you know, the majority of the audience are people that listened to Steve Miller 30 years ago, um, where you're doing something new, something fresh. Um, you know, are, are a lot of the audiences, especially to your solo shows, a little bit younger, would you say? Um, well, we're actually, you know, I've been pretty surprised. We're getting a mix of both, you know. Mm. Um, it, it really depends on where and, and the venue and, and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, obviously on like the Steve Miller tours and the Duty Brother tours and stuff, we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of, uh, drawing from their crowd. So right. it's, you know, sure. that older generation. But, sure. uh, you know, I just want to turn anybody we can onto the music, you know? Sure. Now, um, how, you know, obviously you're going to go out on the road with Steve Miller, for example. How do, how do you mentally, prepare for something like that because you know i don't think a lot of people realize that steve miller's an incredible guitar player you know obviously beyond just the the radio fm hits that we're all accustomed to but uh, is that intimidating at all or, or you just kind of confident in what you can do well i you know i'm more just uh excited than anything uh i got to tour with steve last <clears throat> excuse me last um april and actually developed quite a great friendship with him. He's a very good person and uh like you said as well, an incredible guitar player, a songwriter, a singer, musician. And uh the great thing about Steve is I kinda of think he understands where we're coming from, you know, not making a bunch of money right now and not traveling sure. in a bus with a big crew and sure. And so, you know, he was nice enough to say, Hey man, you know, come out and jam on a couple tunes every night mm-hmm. and that was you know, that was just so much fun. So I'm really just, you know, Really thrilled to get back out on the road with him, man. He's such a great person. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things, uh, you know, as a fan of the blues, that you see a lot of musicians in the blues community, the Robert Craze and the Jimmy Bonds, that will bring other musicians up on stage and, you know, to bring the Robert Randolphs of the world into the limelight. You know, they're not afraid to share that spotlight, you know, which is, is a wonderful thing. You know, I wish more genres of music kind of embrace that sort of feeling. Yeah. Now, um, you have, uh, do you just have one studio album out at this point? We have two records out okay. right now. Okay. And, um, now, do you, do you write a lot or do you go back into the well? And, you know, a lot of blues guitarists, you know, that we've mentioned will kind of pull out some old standards or some, uh, you know, Robert Johnson type stuff. Do you do a lot of covers or do mostly your own material? Oh, it's all, it's all original. Okay. Um, you know, Occasionally we'll, we'll pull a, a cover out of that the hat, but uh, I just I just love writing and, and mm-hmm. collaborating with people, and uh, you know it's just it's so much fun. It's it's one of my favorite <clears throat> things about uh, this uh, this business. So. Now, when you were learning the instrument, you mentioned that you know getting the guitar from Walmart. Um, not many people can make these kind of sounds coming out of those kind of guitars. Um, where did you kind of to learn the style, I mean, you know, or, or was dad that good? I mean, you've got a fiery kind of playing, I think, that, you know, you're not going to get at a lot of music schools. Um, 
Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was four and I started learning from my dad at first and, um, you know, would really just focus on listening to, to CDs and trying to learn mm-hmm. things I heard off, you know, like a ZZ Top record or whoever, you know, Beatles. And uh, I then took lessons for a while, so I was probably uh, eight or nine, and then, um, you know, just kind of uh, learned by ear. But uh, it's definitely got to be something you feel, too, you know. Uh, so it's just, you know, don't know what I'd do if I uh, if I couldn't play guitar, man. I'd never be happy if I couldn't play guitar. Yeah, no, that, it's kind of scary to think about a four-year-old who could play. You know, I... I... Uh, that is that's very very early obviously for guitar to even have the, the you know the kind of strength to play the guitar you know and then to kind of go out on your own that early you know away from lessons you know a lot of kids aren't even getting into lessons until that time so that's phenomenal um when you do the the solo shows is it um obviously you know you're not doing steve miller type venues but uh is it kind of fun for you to be able to kind of stretch your wings and play longer set lists or do you prefer getting up in front of the rush of the big audience I like it both, man. Um, you know, right now where we're at, uh, career-wise, is you know we're not going to go and sell out an arena because you know it just it, it won't happen. But uh, you know, I it is nice to like you said stretch out the set a little bit and jam and have some fun and you know maybe get some other folks up to jam or something and just you know have a blast. But then I, I really really love doing the arena tours and playing in front of, you know, thousands of people, man. There's uh there's some sort of uh just I guess like rush, like you said, just kind of adrenaline rush you get from that that you, you just don't get from anything else, you know. Yeah, it is it's you know, two totally different animals. And you you often hear bands who play arenas constantly say, you know, I miss playing in the clubs and and then thirty years later when they can only play clubs they miss playing arenas. Uh, you're kind of getting to do both at the same time, which is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, you're going to be doing dates, it looks like, with uh, Steve Miller. you got a, a couple dates in here with the uh, Doobie Brothers and uh, another one with Graham Funk. Um, and then uh, your your tour dates right now only go up through July, at least the published ones. Do you have plans for the summer? And um, the other question, do you, do you tour much overseas at this point? Um, well, we've only done one overseas tour in Australia last oh, year. Okay. And, um, you know, the, the, the touring and stuff is not, I mean, so much up to me. I'd like to tour as much as I can. Obviously don't want to overwork mm-hmm. myself or anybody else in the band, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, the paradigm is, is handling most of that, but, you know, it, it is nice to have time off too, but, uh, you know, there's, I, I think, um, you know, we're going to get, we're going to get through this tour and then, uh, you know, some of the dates that we have, uh, midsummer and then, you know, looking to get, uh, some new, some new, uh, music out. Okay. Year. So, um, you know, Do you that's, get to- that's really exciting, you know, just trying to, you know, you know, pair up with some people and try writing some songs and, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully get some great stuff. Do you prefer to write as a, as a group or, or collaborate or, or do you prefer to kind of go away in the woodshed and shut the door and, and pull stuff out or is there one method you prefer? Uh, I like them both, man. I like them both. You know, it's it just depends on what kind of mood you're in. You know, sometimes sure. you just get a sudden inspiration and one, like you said, just mm-hmm. kind of work by yourself and, and a lot of times it's it's just it's a blast to put your heads together and try to write some songs with other people. 
Mm-hmm. Now, do you get a chance, you know, as is the life of a guy on the road on an arena tour as an opening act, do you have a lot of downtime you can kind of sit on the bus or in the van or noodle around on the guitar, or is it too busy schlepping gear to have fun? Um, not a whole bunch of, uh, of time to do stuff like that, but anytime, mm-hmm. any time I do get a chance, I definitely take it because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's what we love to do, so... Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, it's we stay pretty busy out here. <laughs> the, the one thing I find kind of unique about um, you as, as a younger man, you, you've kind of grown up in the world of technology, and, and you know, blues musicians tend to love the beat-up guitars that you find in the you know pawn shops and amps that uh, you know you can't get tubes anywhere on earth for it. Uh, do you do you tend to lean more towards vintage stuff, or do you um, kind of let the technology roll into your rig? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I'm kind of technology stupid. I, uh, <laughs> I'm not real savvy on that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I can text and email and mm-hmm. call, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, uh, that kind of stuff never really appealed to me. I, I don't have much interest in trying to learn it that much. And I, right. you know, I just, but as far as like gear and stuff goes, I love, you know, playing on vintage guitars and, mm. you know, checking out old amps and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a tone nut. So any, you know, always experimenting around with different tones and stuff, different amps and guitars. So yeah. So but, you're, you're, uh, a, you're a dyed in the wool blues guy. Yes. You don't, you don't see a lot of guys, uh, talking about having, uh, digital rigs and stuff like that in the blues. And I was just curious if we're in a new generation. You know, you sound more of the Eric Johnson kind of cloth where you're farting around with different batteries trying to get the exact sound out of your pedals. That's excellent. Okay, Matthew, I want to uh, thank you. Uh, again, you're coming in on the 11th to do a show in Pittsburgh. Uh, for listeners in uh, Ohio, uh, you're doing a show at the House of Blues on the 12th. So you're going to be spending a couple days in this area. So I, I wish you the safest travel, and we enjoy looking forward to seeing when you get here. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. I appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to seeing everybody out at the shows. All right. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Pittsburgh, get ready. It's Van Halen. Live on tour. First Niagara Pavilion, July 28th, with special guest, the Kenny Wayne Shepherd Band. Tickets on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations, LiveNation.com, or charge by phone. Van Halen Tokyo Dome in concert is available now. For VIP packages and more, check van-halen.com. All right, folks, that about wraps it up. I want to thank Matthew Curry and also Lawrence Cowan of Styx for coming on the show. Again, Styx will be coming into town May 8th to a show at Stage AE. Tickets are available now. That's an evening with Styx, no opener. So the show will be uh, starting when it says it will on your ticket and should be probably a good three hours, I would imagine. going to be a great show also matthew curry coming in to do the hard rock cafe on the 11th that's a very intimate show with a really really phenomenal guitar player Uh, you can get tickets for those at uh, druskyentertainment.com and you can check that out a really inexpensive show Um, great great musician so want to thank you all for listening you can visit us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com you can email us or you can go to ironcityrocks.com we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of which are forward slash Iron City Rocks. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you, so please don't be a stranger. Also, appreciate any feedback you could give us on iTunes. That always helps the show uh, gain audience, so we would appreciate that as well. Until next time, take care. <laughs>